Hey everybody, this is John. And this is Vince. And you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time. Hey everybody, this is the second panel that Legends of Tabletop participated in at Necronomicon. This one is Gaming for Podcasting. It was a pretty fun panel and you'll hear some familiar voices, so uh, we hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks everybody for coming in. This is the uh, Podcasting for Games panel. Uh, I'll read out of the thing here. It was, everyone seems to have a podcast. Uh, what you can do, not only create a unique gaming experience, but make it successful. The teams behind the classic podcast, I would say we're classic, but I will take that. The Legends of Tabletop, Miskatonic University podcast, Dan and Dan, the Dragon Fisters, and Into the Darkness. Uh, so we're going to talk about the difference between... Uh, you know, just playing games at home in the basement and, you know, recording games for a podcast, what those differences are, uh, different approaches to that technology that may be involved. Uh, so to start with, uh, what are some of those differences between regular gaming at home and gaming for a podcast? Well, I think uh, one of the biggest is really concentration on the game first off. You can't, you have to really eliminate a lot of the side chatter. Uh, or else you get into a lot of editing and, uh, and extra time and you uh, really have to bump up the narration and the description of your games as well. Uh, especially in a time where a lot of people kind of want to hurry the games up and get, get to the, the meat of it. Uh, I think for an audience you really have to be a lot more descriptive and engaging in the materials themselves throughout the entire board. And I'm going to stop the whole panel because we did not do introductions other than mention the podcast, so plug for that. But I am John Haremza. I am the co-founder of the Legends of Tabletop podcast. Uh, we do actual plays and interviews and all that kind of jazz for uh, for that. And then who's the rest of the group? Uh, Vince LaRosa, I'm co-creator of Legends of Tabletop. I run a 5th edition uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaign, and I also play in a game with Todd Foley called Day Trippers. Yeah. I'm uh, Jesse. I run the Dragon Fisters actual play podcast. We do uh, Pathfinder, Dungeons and Dragons, plus uh, Mouse Guard and Dungeon Dwellers and a bunch of other stuff. Um, plus, I also run a Cypher game now on Legends of Tabletop, and I play in Warhammer and Day Trippers and D&D and all the good stuff. Uh, Jeff Wilkins. Uh, we do Into the Darkness. Uh, we're pretty much focused only on Cthulhu-based stuff, so uh, call Cthulhu, and we've got a few Delta Green episodes up, with hopefully more to come on that, too. I'm Chad Bouchard. I podcast as Keeper Chad on the Miskatonic University podcast, and uh, sort of just uh, fell into it, but we, we podcast about horror games in general, but a lot about Call of Cthulhu. And uh, I'm Dan Kramer. I'm a producer of the Miskatonic University podcast and um, basically primary founder. Anybody else want to take up that question of the difference between. Was it? The difference between <laughs> regular gaming, gaming and, and podcasting? Podcast oh, podcast. yeah. I, I wanted to say there's a, there's a performance aspect to, podca- for, to gaming for podcast. Um, and that's related to the being descriptive and being cognizant of your, of your audience. But it also happens, it changes your characterization. It, it sort of changes the action. You're sort of, you're acutely aware that people mm-hmm. may be listening. And so 
one tends to amp up the dialogue where you might not necessarily in, uh, in real life. So just having the microphone on changes the game, I find, quite a bit, in surprising ways sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, the, the attention to what all is happening around you, because you have now you're incorporating technology with you, so you've got microphones, you have to worry about extra sounds, uh, it, it, you know, all of that you, you're not aware of when you're just playing down the basement kind of thing. And then all of a sudden it's like there's a microphone, it's like the refrigerator hums so loud, so. Yeah. The dog barks. Yeah. The <laughs> fire engine drives by. Yes. Kids making ramen. Like <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're doing it in person, then yeah, ambient noise is a definite factor that you need to attention to. I've listened to plenty of actual plays that were in a, a small room and you might as well just be playing in a in a cave. How, how do you change your game? I'm, I kind of wonder, do you, do you, are you aware that you're changing the way that you play when you when you play? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, once uh, you definitely find, I find myself being, uh, like you said, a lot more am animated. Uh, I uh, kind of have a problem settling down anyway, so when I DM, I stand up, and, but I find myself uh, being a lot more verbose with the characters, and you have to, you find, I find myself doing a lot more different voices and, uh, and characteristics of each NPC that the people come by, just because you want that you want your audience just uh, audibly to be able to tell the difference between two different characters that are talking definitely and I think too if you're recording a podcast and everyone is around the table that's also different than say recording a podcast and everyone is in Google Hangout or Skype mm -hmm. what, what are your experience with that oh very different the whole air traffic control of, of VOIP, you know, voice, Google, Google Hangouts or Skype or whatever, uh, is a special challenge in itself. People talking over each other with Skype, especially, or any of them, they will cut, they will choose one voice to highlight, and that's all you get. And yeah. So crosstalk, uh, you have to be really conscious of sort of taking turns almost as though it's a radio play, but there's yeah. no script, so you wait for cues <laughs> right. in your dialogue. Songs, yeah. Stuff, yeah. Um, and and in, in, I've never, well, I guess I've recorded a, a tabletop game before, and it's much easier. It's just much, <laughs> it's much more natural. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and what's nice about a, a tabletop recording, I'm thinking about the one I did, is that you, that same attention to performance exists and that helps drive you into the game. Immersion and you're not talking about Simpsons jokes or whatever, you know, <laughs> yep. distracts you from the fiction. Um, but then you don't also have that technical issue of, of air traffic control. Yeah, the, the online games tend to then cut down all the table chatter. And a lot of the games that we play are strictly just heavy, heavy RP because you can't do a lot of that other stuff. It, it's just the, the technology doesn't allow for it. You know, and, and, it, and it changes the dynamic because it, it is the awareness of the audience and it is, you know, we're here, we're playing a game, we're recording, this is work, you know, to a certain extent, it feels yeah. like. Uh, yeah, so uh, I feel that using online gaming actually helped my performance aspect of, at 
the table. Because when you're, I, we don't use Roll20 or anything, we just use Google Hangout, and so there's no map, there's no visuals. So at, when you're at the table, you can just be like, okay, well, this NPC, you know, this enemy moves here and attacks you. Uh, but that's not very fun for anybody to listen to. And, but when you're doing everything online and there's no visuals, you have to be descriptive. You have to say the enemy you know, charges towards you with his ax in hand, swaying it about and you know, to give the players a sense of what's going on. And then you can take that and I've carried that over to the table and it allows you to be a lot more descriptive and the players not only then get into it a lot more because when you're constantly talking and describing the actions, the players are now more engaged and as well, you're hoping that you're engaging the audience that's eventually going to be listening to you a lot more. And so that helps with the overall process too. That's a good point. Do you play games like D&D though? Does anybody play a, a game that requires the map and requires visuals? You do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. And, and you podcast yeah. it. Yep. So how do you handle the visual? Uh, you know, you enter a room that's square and there's another square. I mean, how, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you render it? <laughs> yeah. well, you, there's a lot of, like, obviously with the webcam, if you're watching, you're, you're tuning in on the Google Hangout, we have it live so you can see it. Uh, ah. If you're not, later on, you're listening. A lot of it is the players running with whatever happens in that action and saying, well, my character is doing this, this, and this. Like, swing the axe, uh, doing this. Uh, falls back against the table and makes a sound. All that adds to it. Um, but it is very difficult when you do have that map, that physical map, and all you're doing is running a webcam. Yeah. But, uh, also, with, with uh, Google Hangouts, you can do screen shares, too. Yeah. So that helps us. Um, we can do like generalized maps, like not minis where you're moving characters, that sort of thing. But you can throw up a map of the house or the floor plan, um, the map of the town. And then a lot of times the person running the game, can you, their cursor will sometimes show. So you can at least sometimes point to some things too. That helps. Um, but I think you're absolutely right because when you're describing something like a monster, you can throw a picture up there, but you still have to go through the description of it and everything like that. I find that you... Uh, that generalization is really good as well. You don't necessarily have to describe every detail right off the bat of a room or an area or anything. And it actually helps with player in, uh, input as well, where you describe the, the general ambiance of the room and then you can help, you can let them input details. You know, they say, okay, well, is there this? Yeah. Sure, yes. So you turn description into a dialogue that way. Exactly, yeah. And that also, yeah. And it, you, just like with a book or anything like that, you don't want to describe a character or, or an area in total detail because then you're not leaving anything up to the imagination of the reader or the listener. And so you really want that individual experience to exist. Uh, so that it's almost, you, the person, the listener, has to really play into it and also get their own ideas of what's going on. So you want to give them a good starting point, but you don't necessarily want to you know, pick out every single little nook and cranny of the rooms and the areas, because then it's, A, takes up a lot of time, and uh, B, just kind of, I think, takes away from the 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 co-creation between you and the listeners. 
Do you can I just? Yeah, I've had it. We play Call of Cthulhu, and, and there's, it, it's a bit um, different than the, a, a sort of you know a dungeon-based kind of thing. I mean, you play Call of Cthulhu too, but you know it's it's yeah it's really different. But do you do you show in a say a fantasy game where it's more likely you might show a monster picture of uh, you know depiction. Uh, monster art in a D&D game, tabletop game, I mean, real tabletop game. Um, do you do that in the podcast, or do you avoid doing it so that you might describe instead? Well, we just had this come up in a rope trader game. Uh, we were traipsing through the woods, we were attacked, and, you know, description of horrible monstrosity. And after a round or two, uh, GM Neil threw up a picture of a chimera, so it's almost like a displacer beast, but 40k style. So extra tentacles, more teeth. Um, so it, it, you know, you kind of let you sort of build it up in your mind, and it's like, okay, here it is. And it's like, okay, well, this is horrifying, even more horrifying than what I had imagined. So it, it, it can and does, you know, uh, make you more immersed, I think, or, or can again, like you said, with screen chairs and things like that, where you can. You know, if you're trying to elicit a certain response, and, and, and it's like, hey, it doesn't even tell you on the screen share. It's like, screen share, and I was here's this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, hey, stop and look at this, or just kind of threw it in with the flow of the game. Yeah, it, yeah. it just kind of popped up, and it was like, oh, and this is what you're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think, too, you have to be aware if you're streaming your video, uh, and you're also allowing it for audio, you have to be aware that there are people who are watching. There, there are many people who don't have that visual, so you have to describe the creatures. Yeah. And it's also not fair to just be like, okay, well, you guys are fighting a displacer beast, or you guys are fighting a Shogoth, because then there are some, there might be people who don't have that basic visual yeah. to feed off of. Right. So you have to go into that brief description, uh, because without that, you're doing a disservice to uh, any number of people. And, and, and for starting a game, what's the consideration as far as building a team? Like, do you just bring your regular home group to the table and say, all right, let's, we should probably record this because we're having a good time? Or is there more consideration of let's find people we think are going to mesh and maybe be more, you know, actor, more, you know, verbose and more descriptive? Is that a consideration? Never been one for me. <laughs> uh, basically, in the case of, the, of me doing it, a recording for a home group, uh, basically you set a recorder on the table and let's go. And you, one thing you also need to make sure of is, you know, ask the people there, are you okay with yeah. this being recorded and released to the world? You know, recording for just us, I've not encountered anybody with a problem with that because that could be really helpful if you meet only once in a while. But you know, you want to make sure everybody's on board with this being released publicly. Uh, for online games, uh, we've done it where the hosts in our podcast are players, and you know, yeah, we need a couple more, and you put a call out to listeners hey, who's available at this time? You know, here's what we're thinking, let us know. You know, and uh, we've really just not had any problem with that. Yeah, well, <laughs> coordination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. coordinating schedules is different from yeah. people yeah. performing. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it, it's kind of a 
thing of where, well, yeah, this is being recorded to be released publicly, I need to step up to uh, characterization. And then there's also the idea of some of the live plays I listen to are just the raw audio. Other live plays I listen to have then been processed after the fact and do all sorts of, of things to it, adding in sound effects after the fact and, and music and, and making it into an actual audio production. Yeah. Those are a lot of fun, but a lot of work. Yeah. Yes. That's fun back and adding the sound effects. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that we do is, is you know, we'll record live and play, uh, we'll extract the audio and then go back and timestamp and edit and sound effects. And foley. I do Foley at my house sometimes to record it. It's become very intense uh, if that's the direction that you want to go in. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the things is, you know, once you decide you're going to record, then to what level then do you want to edit? What's your process then afterwards? Like Dan said, some, sometimes you have raw audio, it's just this is recorded and that's what it is. And, uh, you know, some podcasts like uh, Ross Payton's RPPR, that's people eating popcorn into the microphone. <laughs> and it's like, come on, you know, I know we've been doing this for a while. Um, so, it, it, how, so what's your experience with that? Do you guys choose to go just straight here's audio or are you guys more refined technical editing and content editing for MUP live plays I since I we have a regular show that I spend you know eight to ten hours editing live plays I will create up a beginning and I will usually throw our just normal end show bumper on the end and mark it as explicit and go. <laughs> I have to give a huge shout out to Tom because Tom's our host, Tom Reilly, because he does all that editing work himself and uh, the, the amount of work that he puts into doing that is amazing. Yeah, we, um, for my show, we touted ourselves as a, a, a tabletop experience, like, a, you know, because A, I'm lazy. I don't want to do a ton of editing. Um, I still go in, I refine the audio, I cut out any big gaps or, you know, if there's a time where we get really off topic or we do too many in-jokes, I'll kind of cut that out. Um, but my, the, where I got my itch to do actual play was actually with Nerdbound uh, forever ago. And that was, you know, very similar to the RPPR where they just hit record, Play it, and I wanted to do something a little bit more than that, um, just to in terms of the audio quality and everything. But I want it to. I want the listeners to feel as if they're just kind of sitting just off to the side of the table. Uh, so yeah, I don't try. If I do uh, any audio, uh, I I only include stuff that I've already done at the table. So if I'm playing background music or anything like that, I'll cut that in so it's a little bit more. Um, audible during the recording uh, and I've also done some things here and there where I had a player who was away from the group but I wanted his character to still interact with everybody so he was sending letters so I had him record the letters and cut that audio in later uh, but yeah I try to keep the editing and the additions down to a minimum just to so it's more of a real experience of an actual play and not an audio drama. Yeah, I think it, uh, going back to team building is related that 
I think you want to be conscious of what you want to do with your actual play, right? There's a lot of different goals. Some are, let's demonstrate different role sets, right? And that's going to totally affect how transparent you are about mechanics as yep. you play. Then there, you know, for us, I feel like it was kind of like a, a podcast uh, companion, right? So like, yeah. it's just the hosts hanging yeah. out. and <laughs> it, um, was, it was the secondary feed to our show and and just playing the game and having fun and 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 a little bit of demonstration too it ended up i think maybe by accident creating examples that we could use in the show for here's a place where Mm -hmm. something happened yeah episode two of this particular campaign we you know threw a bunch of stuff out the window yeah yeah yeah, threw a bunch of stuff out of a train window um, you know, set a basement on fire from a failed push. Right. You know, the, those are great things to bring up later on when you're discussing actual rule sets and uh, yeah, role play. Gives you some context for the for our podcast, but that's our goal, right? It, it's uh, some people will play. I've heard I've heard podcasts where they don't even show the gaming, and they'll talk about the gaming afterwards. There's there was a sort of indie game one that I can't remember. Actual people, actual play where they only talked about the fiction stuff after what happened and how that affected things so interesting or are you doing radio drama and you know with the sound effects and the high production that'll all inform how deep you go into production and what team are you hiring actors or are you you know looking at people who love to talk about games Yeah. yeah You know, there's a, uh, a show that is no longer on, but Gamer's Table, that when they do their actual plays, they don't consider them an actual play. They, they do play a game at the table, and they're all mic'd up, but then uh, the host spends, I think he said, between six to ten hours per hour of recording, going back and editing everything, taking out all the dice rolls and all of the mechanic talk and he basically turns an actual play into an audio drama mm-hmm. uh, so yeah you get you can't even tell most of the time what system they're playing unless they told you at the top mm-hmm. so those are really nice too those came out really fun yeah mm-hmm. that's a ton of work and, then, <laughs> and that's a consideration that when you're deciding whether or not you're going to you know, record games and put them out, you know, which way, like Chad was saying, which way do you want to go? And I, we sort of skirt the line between the two where, you know, with Jesse's game, you're, you're, the, you're the fifth person at the table, which is an enjoyable experience. And then, you know, we go shoot for that, but then, you know, with the extra effects and things. And, but it's, it, that's a ton of work. So, it, you know, if, if you're recording for a podcast, editing is one of the things that you wouldn't necessarily think on the front end, like, oh, I'm going to spend four hours or six hours editing, but then it becomes, you know, you have this huge audio file, oh, now, now what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at the very least, you should, even if you're not going to edit for content, you really should run the file through some things just to make sure your audio levels are good. Absolutely. And clear out any possible hiss in the background. Yeah. That stuff, that's a whole 10-minute process. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. audacity to to clean that stuff up. Right. Yeah, the one thing that'll turn me off of a podcast quick is if you listen to the first few minutes of it and one guy is really soft and another one is really loud and you're like, nope, I'm, you obviously don't care about this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah. Level, level. Yeah. Right, yep. Yeah. Level and compress. Let's go, people. Level later, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> Drop it on it, done. Yep. Does everybody use Audacity? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess too. It's easy, it's free. Yep. 
It's good. Really yeah. Tons of plugins. Yeah, there's a lot. The there's a lot of tutorials on yep. YouTube for it. It's easy to, to learn. I've got Audition, but I know I know Audacity so well. I know. Mm. That's what we, yeah. we we're using uh, Audition. You are. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more grand. I mean, a lot more granular, and you can really zoom in. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, for voice, there's only so much you need. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're talking about putting a team together, and you know, in your in your home group, you know, a lot of people are just D and D or Call of Cthulhu. Um, is there a discussion then that happens? Okay, we're going to record this. We want to put it out on the internet. Do we want to choose a certain game that is going to garner, you know, more downloads or, or more popularity? You know, something like now Star Wars: Edge of the Empire. Right. Well, we we're all called Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. just more of a, you know, if a keeper GM has a certain game they want to run, just like any other, and then do we want to put this on the feed or not? Yeah. I guess to some degree, over time, because we talk about other games, we've mm-hmm. we've also wanted to explore other horror games. Yeah. So that we can so have it, have in-game examples, maybe clips to play, although we haven't done that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, some uh, that's part of the goal is exploration. So yeah. Now for us, we started uh, when we first started to play. We started recording just for our own records. It was literally just somebody put their phone in the middle of the table and hit record. Um, and then it slowly progressed, and eventually we were like, well, if we're recording anyway, you know. There's actual plays out there. It's easy. We'll just throw it out, and I was dead wrong. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, my home group that had been playing together for almost ten years. Uh, so we didn't really do any parsing. You know, the one thing we have found is that whenever we wanted to bring somebody new into the group, we have to say, all right, listen, we play, and we record it, and we put it out online, and people listen to it are you okay with that? And we've had a couple of people who haven't been. And they've been like, uh, no, never mind. They're, you know, old friends that we've, you know, come back to the group and we've put in have been cool because they don't care. But yeah, we've had a few people who have been like, I, I don't feel like being out in public like that. So. Yeah. I think I think I could bring up that, um, you know, in our circles, with Skype and Cthulhu and, and other people who podcast games that we... Uh, yesterday played a game and because we're all sort of used to recording everything and making it all public mm-hmm. sort of assumed going into it and then we realized oh this is gonna be kind of an intense game things could get weird this is one we really shouldn't and but it was mm-hmm. as a reflex we were like it's all public we just game all the yeah. time all, you know openly and mm-hmm. but uh, some games you don't want to you know some games hit you know tough subjects or mm-hmm. things yeah. you don't want misinterpreted online yeah very true i found with our group since we're we're all uh basically through youtube uh, we reach out to everybody and it kind of works both ways because we get a lot of people from a lot of different places which is awesome i mean we, you know we, we got we got one uh, regular player mick who's up in scotland uh i mean we, we had a guy the other day from the ukraine i mean it's like wow. and, and there is a certain amount of like you have to be people people will respond and say hey yeah i want to play and then we'll, we'll set up a game with like five people and what we try to do is put like three of our usual players that were that we know and then we'll introduce one or two new players at the time and like sometimes it just doesn't work out sometimes they either do a no-show sometimes they they bail sometimes they show up and then they don't say anything for the entire game Ugh. so it's like um 
Yeah. yeah. And and they usually they're the ones they they don't usually come back the next time, but. Yeah. But it, it's, a, it's a gamble, but I think in the long run it pays off because you meet so many interesting people. Yeah, yeah. but you also, I think, uh, running a podcast too, you have to be aware that the people listening to you want to listen to you. So you were writing the essay and you always have three of your core people and then you add one or two people around that because you don't want it to just be like, okay, I'm going to show up and I'm bringing five new players with me and people are going to be like, well, you're cool, but I also want to listen to the other four people that are normally at the table. So, yeah, you definitely, if you're putting on a podcast, you definitely want to be aware that there are people who want to listen to you, hopefully. And so you don't want to bring in too many new people or do too many uh, changes of players. Sure. And then it's kind of a, a branding issue to a certain right. extent of, you know, people are coming to your podcast because you are doing something that they enjoy. Right. So, you know, like Jeff said, you cognizant of that and make sure you have at least a, some crossover in between. Yeah. Um, and, and we do that, and that's tough because, you know, right. with five games, there's a lot of crossbreeding between podcasts and friends, and everybody's on everything. So it can, can be difficult then. It's like herding cats to try to get everybody to commit to a certain day and a certain time. Mm -hmm. You have different time zones and, you know, different countries that you're right. trying to coordinate, and that can be very, very complicated. Yeah, that almost seems uh, that's a critical part of team building of you know is regularity and if people yep, yeah. show up you Absolutely. know yeah. that's uh, because people are going to be listening and because you don't want to have characters artificially dropping in and out um, and that's true of any tabletop game right right <laughs> but it's super important when you're putting it out as a product yeah to make sure people show up yeah. and I, the schedules are not crazy and, right. yeah yeah I mean if you're not recording your game I think it's okay if a player or two doesn't show up and you can be like oh well they disappeared in a hole in the ground and they'll be back in a few hours it's fine but when you're recording and you're putting out a show every week or every other week you can't do that you can't just be like, oh, this player's not here, so his character's disappeared, and we're just going to carry on. People, you know, people aren't, your listeners aren't going to accept that normally. Um, so, yeah, regularity of everybody, sh everybody showing up, at least for the most part, is very important. You want to make sure that people understand that they need to stick to that schedule, or else it's going to just throw everything off. It'll fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, consistency is a big issue. I mean, it's, it's very Pavlovian. If you release your actual plays every Monday or every Friday, you don't want to miss a week. I mean, mm -hmm. you guys had experience where, and, and things happen, you know, there's technical plays or internet's down, you know, whatever. Um, have you ever had feedback of like, hey, what happened, guys? Where's, you know, where's the episode? Where, where uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had it. There was a masks. Fair to say, right? That there was a masks campaign that sort of, um, because of recording issues, just got to an episode and then dropped a couple of episodes. Dropped, I think. You had There's, one episode that, that went like eight minutes in, and yeah. then something happened with Hangouts and no one knew it. So we recorded six hours, but then it posted to Google because it's YouTube and it looks like it's fine. Yeah. Right. So it went live, and then six hours disappeared. So everybody was like. Oh, <laughs> the lost episode. And you're not really going to re-roll play. Yeah. 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 That happened to us too. Same, same exact thing with, yep. with Hangouts. Yeah. Someone who remembers it well just go in and say, okay, sorry, we had an audio glitch. Here's the story that happened in that piece. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that actually happened to us earlier on too. Is we, uh, I was in editing the audio, and my computer crashed on me, and it corrupted the audio file. So I had five hours of a of a session, three three episodes disappear. And I, yeah, and I had to go in and, you know, before the episode, before the next episode, be like, okay, sorry guys, this, and like you said, you can't go back and redo that. And so we, I had to go in and be like, okay, sorry guys, but this is, this is what happened. Luckily it was kind of a low, not necessarily a low energy, but a high, uh, RP episode, um, Actually, no, it was a high combat episode. So, you know, with, especially with D&D, you know, you can play a two-hour combat and it's only like 15 seconds in real time. Right. So it's okay. Three uh, sentences. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I could go in and describe what happened. But it was just a pain because you don't want that to happen. You don't want to have to go to your listeners and be like, sorry, guys, you missed out on five hours of gameplay. But here's 10 seconds that sums it all up. <laughs> Because you also think like, okay, well, what am I doing this for? If yeah, I can right. sum up five hours and ten seconds, is it worth it? Like so. Can I ask a question, you guys? Um, sure. Do, do any of you experiment in changing things up where as to how you do the, the recording process? And the reason I ask is we attempted to, um, we used Hangouts pretty much, and then we thought, well, maybe we would get much better audio quality if each one of us records our own session no, on, on our own, own mic channel. on our own mm-hmm. and then at the end of the game we all just send our audio files to one person and then tom tom would edit it together mm-hmm. and in theory it's like oh that sounds yeah, great it it's great idea. Good, but it but did not work. work no people yeah. hit what record did, at different times yeah. you have to try to sync was. all that audio up. it was a combination yeah. with us i mean first of all none of us are professional and we all have different levels of audio equipment, mm-hmm. and, and so there was an issue with that, um, background noises, things like that. Um, the timing of it, we, we had one guy who, I don't, I don't even understand how it happened, but the timing, like his audio was compressed. Oh. So it wasn't just that he could just do a time shift and just shift it on and then I'll be in sync for the rest of the game. Ooh. It was actually like, Sped yeah, a little wow. out. I, don't know. I don't know how you would do that digitally, but yeah. that's what happened. No, that's the good thing with using a, uh, a VoIP is that with uh, as long as everybody has a headset that's you know more expensive than thirty dollars, uh, and you can get some decent audio out of it, uh, you know Hangouts and Skype and Roll Twenty kind of takes care of all that for you. It levels everything out for the most part, uh, so you don't have to worry about uh, everybody being out of sync or uh, you know timing issues or anything like that. But yeah, at the table, we definitely, we've uh, been recording for a handful of years, and one, we basically have a volunteer, volunteer audio guy, one of my players, who bought the equipment and was like, all right, and just started testing it. And so he's constantly like playing around with different mic positions okay. and buying new audio, like yeah. buying booms and hanging everything from them. So yeah. Addiction, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, now he, now he has like, all this audio equipment, and he only uses it to record our sessions. <laughs> Good side job, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that, that shows in the quality, and and your listeners appreciate yep. that kind of thing. Now, one thing that you do also have to watch out for. It's like, okay, yeah, it's easier to do the auto record on your hangout, and there you go. When people talk over each other, mm-hmm. you have a decision to make. 
do we keep that and hope people can make out what's being said, or do I chop out that whole section? Right. So it's pretty and mixed. Yeah, the the issue yeah. is that uh, everybody's if you don't have everybody to separate, mm -hmm. then you know, yeah. from yep. as we actually we work with a system that it's still buggy, but uh, it's called a Zencaster. And that is a website that everybody goes to with yep. a common link, point it to your microphone that you're recording off of. The person who created up the, the session hits record. It records on everyone's individual computer. And then when it's done, it emails the audio file to the session creator in the Dropbox. And when it works appropriately, <laughs> I will get, I'll get a, a WAV file of each individual person, and they all sync up. I just, as long as they all start at the same point, because there's one record button, mm -hmm. and that is the absolute best. Because if it, somebody has a hiss, it's easy to clean that mm -hmm. single person's file. Yeah. You know, that's that's the optimal. But yeah, it if people are using different tech at each location. Yeah, that gets kind of squirrely sometimes. Yeah. We've used all the things. <laughs> yes. Mostly because we've run into brick walls with all the things mm -hmm. at some point, and so we'll go to yeah. a separate thing. I mean, we, we have four different systems running. When we yeah, we, we have backups of backups. <laughs> we I think we've gone as far as like four levels deep on backups just to make sure we have audio. What are they? So, so there's Zencaster. Yep, there's the that. Zencaster recording. Uh, if we're using like Hangouts for the actual VoIP system, then we'll hit the record on it. Mm -hmm. Then I have the recorder I have plugged in over there. That's running where it, it'll do one track of me, one track of everybody else as a backup off of my mixer. And then in a lot of cases, us as individual people each have a recorder that we either have just sitting on the table pointed at us or plugged into their mixer or sound system in one way or another. Yeah. It's not at all infrequent that one of us, and it's not always the same person, yeah. just has terrible files. Yeah. And so, and so we have Falling to go. Falling the backup is not unusual. Yeah. And when you have to fall to a pre-mixed backup, then that makes mm -hmm. the editing, which mm -hmm. is usually Dan, um, that much harder yeah. because you have to make those decisions in a single linear VOIP recording yeah. all out or something like that. So we've made all the mistakes and <laughs> used all the things. We used Mumble for a while. Oh, oh that was horrible. Um, it might be better now. It's right. been a few years, but yeah. That one had audio drift of everyone's file. They just went all over the place. That, right. that was a pain. And we tried all the VOIPs as well. I mean, you know, three Well, Skype used to be the one. I mean, that was the big one. Yeah. And that slowed down and dropped calls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So many problems. And then Google came around. It's like, oh, this is great. It's so much faster. It's cleaner. I'll run it in Chrome. And then, like you said, drop a call. You can't connect. The link yeah. won't work. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come, like, this is what we have. What are we going to do? Because <laughs> we don't, I don't play any games at the table with anybody. Everything we do is online. Yeah. And everything is, is through Google Hangouts. Yeah. And, and it's nice and it's convenient when it works and you can get everybody together and the schedules coordinate. It's fantastic. You can do Roll20. Um, you can do the virtual maps. You have your tokens. You can 
you know, set up to do spells and, you know, all the things you want, but it has to work when you boot it up. <laughs> I'm hoping there's a developer in the audience who can make that one final all solution, one product that does all the things. I'll pay for it, kickstart that thing, and I'll get two of them. You know? Well, that's kind of D&D Beyond now to a certain extent. You, yeah. You're giving a lot okay. of integration, but it's just for... Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When you play Call of Cthulhu, that has no meaning whatsoever. Yeah. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's integrating... I mean, what? so you could use it for a and d podcast and have everything you need. It's VOIP. It's... Not yet. Okay. Um, so. You know, one of the, so the issue is it is only D&D 5th edition, uh, but they are uh, planning on implementing it on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, so you okay. could stream through there and record through there, and they're going to uh, integrate a campaign designer and manager and a uh, encounter manager, and that's going to be all implemented on Twitch itself as well. Okay. Um, but again, that's only if you want to do D and D on Twitch. I just want so. one thing that we'll do: VoIP, give us four separate, you know, a file for each host that's right. clean. That gives us maybe a backup in some other system, and that's it. You know. Right. No. But no, it has not been developed yet. And then, of course, now with Google Hangouts, now they're in this limbo where they've sort of abandoned it. Yeah. And now they're kind of moving to a paid system, mm-hmm. but they haven't cut it completely. So we're kind of right in limbo. Like they finally brought back the overlays and the screen shares, yep. but uh, for a long time that that was just gone, missing, no explanations and. Uh, luckily, it's back, and that helps us out a lot. But it, it's almost like every week we check and say, uh, "Is it still there?" Yeah, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. No, and the good thing with Hangouts as well is that you do get both that audio recording and the visual as well that just streams directly to YouTube. Uh, so you can get the live audience, then you also get the uh, the video afterwards, and you get the audio. So it's kind of a three-in-one, which is really nice. But you have to contend with. The quality issues occasionally. Mm-hmm. So, occasionally. Is, is anyone <laughs> is anyone using or planning on using Twitch? We I have a channel set up because Twitch seems to be the place to be for gaming now. Yeah. People they're doing their let's plays. They're on Xbox. They're doing all those things. You have board games. Um, you know. So, you know, if you're looking at podcasting as gaming as business to some extent because you want to get your name out there and you want people to download and listen, uh, you know, you have to be aware of all these different technologies. So we, we have it set up, we haven't fully investigated. It's one of those things, it's like, we should probably be here because YouTube is kind of over here. But it, it's super useful because the Hangouts records right to YouTube so you don't have to do anything. You have your live game, it's ready to go as long as everything works. Right. Um, you know, Twitch, there's a couple of extra steps and you have to export to YouTube and there's, there's some other things. But the community for gaming on Twitch is just phenomenal. It's yeah. growing a yeah. lot too, I think, yeah. quickly. Yeah, and I'm sure that integration will wind up popping in there because Google bought Twitch, so mm-hmm. they have the YouTubes, they have the Twitch, yep. they, they, they can integrate all that stuff. And I'm sure that's somewhere in the pipeline. It would be foolish not to have some level of this platform or that platform that a, a user can just easily record it in one place and decide where it goes. Right. Right. Unlike the Google Hangouts where you just send an email link and everybody joins and Mm. nobody has to do anything, for Twitch everybody has to be a part of Twitch. 
to mm. be, have to be on the friends list to get the invites to do all the things. That's one of the easy. considerations. I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do that. It doesn't matter if people are on Twitch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it matters if people are on <laughs> Twitch. <laughs> So that's a discussion to have, I guess, with your group then, if that's, you know, does everyone want to make another account? Does someone have to have a, keep track of another password? Um, Just have the same password for everything, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that works wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> does it have any post-production stuff? I mean, can you actually take, is, are there separate tracks that you can I'm edit? Sure. No, it's, no. I don't think so. It's a linear, it's yeah. like a Yeah, YouTube. it's just like Hangouts. Yeah, okay. And, and it's, and I think it's more ephemeral. I think, like, for YouTube, I mean, we have hundreds of videos. Where Twitch, I think it only stays in the queue for two weeks, oh, yeah. a month maybe, yeah. and then if you don't have it exported, it's gone. Yeah, so, no, no, no. Yeah, you kind of have to go export from Twitch into YouTube, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you can export for archiving. I think you, you can, can, yeah. You can yeah. on your CIA. Yeah. Okay. So, and that, and that's, so that's one of the things that with gaming, you know, for podcasting is, you know, trying to be ahead of the curve on some of this technology because, you know, if Google yanks Hangouts tomorrow, okay, where do we go? Like, yeah. Collectively as podcasters, what's our next step? Mm. Is that a question? <laughs> <laughs> what would we do if the world ends? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Has anybody looked into using Discord? No. Don't know about it. Okay. What is it? Uh, it's basically, it's mostly uh, gaming chat, uh, video gaming, um, yeah. live chat, um, but it's also voice. Um, and when Google Hangouts was really up in the air, uh, I was hearing a lot of rumors that Discord was trying to get a video option so that in order to take place of the Google Hangouts. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah. I think they've been working on it for two years, so I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. That's funny. I pretty much only know it as like an MMO chat group, basically. Mm -hmm. like, so. Mm -hmm. I think, I think they have plans, but I don't know how soon it's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. I think it, it's similar to Slack right now with, with what they're offering. But if they go video, then yeah, it kind of takes them a step up from everybody else. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, so when we were talking about, you know, building a group and choosing games and that sort of thing, um, is that then a conversation, being aware of, okay, we're going to record, do we want to set a certain tone? Like, you have acquisitions, and they have their shtick, and that's what they do. Um, so is that a conversation that happens before you even record the first session? Are we looking for a certain style, or a certain feel, and, and maybe that's somewhat dependent on games? Because Cthulhu obviously is going to play much differently than a D&D game or a, you know, a Rogue Trader game. I mean, I think it's a good idea, but we didn't. Yeah, it was just like let's game together. And yeah, see what happens. And and sometimes I think it's. I think it's good practice to actually do the character creation together recorded. I yes. think that's entertaining. I, I enjoy that quite a lot whenever I'm listening to shows. Um, if your group is into doing like uh, environment sandboxing, where you just kind of work out the whole setting together, and or the group dynamic, you know, okay, we're all part of this organization. We're all, you know, uh, you know, halfling food truck operators were, you know, were whatever, and so that makes it a, uh, a more cohesive thing, and it's fun listening to people hash that out and yeah. throw all those ideas out there. Who was the guest from a podcast, a gaming podcast? That would be Aaron Head from uh, Ideology of Madness. Right. He uh, loves the sandboxing. 
and in fact I'll be on a game with him before too long. I'm not sure when they'll start dropping, but yeah, he's starting up a new uh, game using the Star Trek Modifius rules, and he's one that does the post-processing, the extensive edits, he takes out most of the rules discussion, adds in sound effects, music, all this stuff, and that's going to be a whole lot of fun. But yeah, yep. we've started the sandboxing process on that, picking characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they do, I think for every game, they do sessions. Were you in on a session where it was like, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to be, able to, want to be on a ship as a, as a group? For this particular one, Aaron came saying, here's the era, here's your ship. Yeah. You know, everybody bring three character concepts and pitch them, and then as a group, we decide which ones are our primaries. The rest of them are NPCs. And that's all recorded. That's an episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Hmm. We, we've done that some. So for Jesse, Cypher, System Game that we're playing, and uh, for the other games, maybe? And we only did, oh, for a Road Trader that's campaign. A, yeah. we, we did a session zero. And, and ironically, we also did not talk about tone yeah. and, you know, setting a certain mood. Um, and we've just sort of taken that organically as the game yeah. goes. Um, I, because I... Like for us, we you know just try to have that fifth person at the table sort of feel. So it was just kind of not an issue, I guess. But for maybe something like you know Cthulhu or you know Fear itself or something that is going to be better with a certain mood setting, like you don't want to play Cthulhu and be goofy. You know you can, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think it would be what most people would expect. <laughs> yeah, you know, certain games you want to feel out people's. Uh, you know, no fly zone, you know, okay. Yes. Does anybody have a thing that you just really don't want to be involved in the game? In horror games, that's a particular thing to be cognizant of. Yeah. You know, for high adventure D&D type stuff, that may not be a thing to even worry about. But for horror games, well, it's, it's horrific, and so certain things are just way too personal, and yeah. you stay away from them. Well, even in D and D and adventure games, there's the you know, do you guys does it you know, someone might hate PvP. I mean that's a big yeah. dividing line, right? Like let's not let's not do any combat against each other. Some people love that, you know. Yeah. So there are conversations to be had no matter what game. Yeah. yeah. But if I could bring up something real quick, um, you remind me when you were talking about the session zero and then sand, the whole point of like a sandbox game and everything. I think that's one thing you really have to be aware of when you're putting on a podcast is your players, I think, your listeners, when they go into an act, listen to an actual play, will expect a story. And if you're running a full open world sandbox game where you're, all the players and characters are basically just running from one point to another, doing random missions and kind of collecting gold along the way and doing all this just not very organized stuff, they're doing a lot of exploration and world creation, which can be fun at the table. Uh, but you have to think, is that necessarily something some people want to listen to? When they go in, they expect a most people expect a continuing story that kind of builds the characters and builds the world at the same time. They don't want to go in and listen to you just run from town to town, killing things as you go. So, alternatively, if your point, going back to you know being clear about the point of the podcast, if right. your point is to say we're going to try sandboxing and see where it goes, you know, and, and yeah. demonstrate what as long as you like. make that aware to the listeners. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
I think with, with our group, sorry. Okay. Uh, with our group, luckily, our mood, it's, it's never been brought up, I think, officially. So I think it's just a, you know, we all pretty much were coming there to play Call of Cthulhu. So there's a certain amount of, you're expecting a certain amount of mood. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's always there's always the levity. You got to throw that in too to, to have the ups and downs, I think. Yep. Um, so it kind of, for our group anyway, luckily, it's just been organic. It just flows. We don't need to really discuss it yet. Sorry. No, I was just to, to what Jesse was saying, that pacing becomes very important. You know, if you're at home and somebody's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, grab a beer or, I, you know, i got to go call my wife real quick, just, you know, go ahead and continue. You know, at a home game, maybe that, you know, sort of breaks things, but you can sort of work around it. But for a podcast, someone gets up and leaves. It's like, okay, do we, like, take a break and, like, on recording, hey, everybody will be back in five minutes. Everybody's, yep. you know, bio break and, you know, we'll pick it up and obviously edit all that stuff out for the MP3, but... You know, then pacing becomes, uh, you know, an issue. You know, some people love a, a planning episode or a shopping episode mm -hmm. or, or combat, although probably less so in a crunchy <laughs> system. But, right. you know, it's like, okay, do we edit combat out? Do we edit that dice rolling, you know, movement of pieces on the board? Um, and, you know, again, that, that speaks back to how much editing mm -hmm. does someone want to do. Yeah. You know, once you get in, it's like, okay, well, this is... This is where we're at. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, as a table master, as a game master, too, one of the things that you love is when your players get into character and they just talk. And because you know that they're in character and they're really going at it and they're thinking about the game that you and the world that you've created. But when you're doing a podcast, you have to make sure that it's all still relevant. You don't want them to go off and have a conversation about their aunt that has, you know, a a foot issue and they just start talking and it's like that's great but nobody wants to listen to 15 minutes of that so you have to kind of be <laughs> I don't know. if you have a foot issue uh, an aunt's foot issue podcast i probably <laughs> i'll see if i can find that in the yeah. archives yeah so you know you want to be aware of what's happening at the table and while they are talking and you're loving it and they're in character and they're in depth and everybody's in the game is it relevant and I think that's one of the things you kind of have to still, every, occasionally I'll be like, okay, guys, moving on now, let's go. And uh, so you really kind of have to be aware of what's happening at the table a lot more than when you're just running a normal game. You kind of have to, you can't just kind of sit back and relax. You have to always be on point and make sure that everything's moving along at a good speed. I feel like you're throwing the fear game right under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> And so our fear itself, okay, we, we do tend to do a lot of that side sort of thing. It's RP, we're having brunch at the diner or whatever. And, you know, it's enjoyable to play, but maybe not so enjoyable to listen to. But, it, you know, in the moment, it's so much world building. It's so enjoyable to kind of, hey, I got to call my mom because I haven't talked to her in a week and a half. And, you know, spooky monsters, we got to make sure everybody's okay. So. It, just oh, yeah, sort of it, happens yeah. organically. it all depends on how relevant to the game it is. You know, if you're playing a D&D &D game, that might not be good. But if you're doing a fear game and you are making, you know, you're talking about the world and how this is affecting everything, it might not be directed directly connected to the story you're telling at the moment, but it's still connected to the world. So, true. And, 
and we're talking about gaming and a lot of AP stuff, but I mean, you can have a, a gaming podcast that's not an AP podcast. I mean, Miskatonic University yep. podcast, you know, case in point, I mean, it's more of a, of a companion to a game, and it's very much involved in gaming and things that are going on in the community, but it's not specifically like, hey, let's record some games and play. Yeah, ours is primarily a news and discussion and, and topics sort of thing, mm-hmm. and our actual plays are definitely a, uh, a, a side extra part. Mm-hmm. So we're, I guess, just about towards you here, so we'll open it up to the floor. Just because uh, I think it, it, it dovetails nicely in what you're talking about, it. I feel like I've heard a lot today about best practices and pitfalls around recording live plays and around technology, but what I'd love to hear some more about while we still have some time is how do you plan and what are the best practices around a non-recording a game podcast, generating material, um, getting some speakers to come onto your show, all those, I feel like I can wrap my brain around, okay, we're playing, we're recording, what I feel like I really can learn more about is coming up with the other content. Well, that's a hit and miss process of about five years. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a uh, podcast all on our seminar on its own it's there's a whole lot of research to be done for that kind of a podcast for the APs you can be a little bit more rough and ready and it's more easy to forgive that kind of a thing if you're doing a content based uh, podcast show well first one of the things you need to figure out are we video or are we audio only you know so that's something to consider and what means are we going to get this out to the public? Um, the standard RSS feed that actually makes it a podcast, or are we doing it as a YouTube show? Uh, there's, there's just a lot of research to do as far as getting the best quality possible, because, yeah, lot live play games, if there's an echo in there, okay, this is the room that they're all in, and, and you listen and have fun. But if it's a topic show, you're expected to have a higher mm-hmm. level of quality and editing and, and just general presentation, uh, having show notes ahead of time. And we just use a Google Doc that we have yep. the intro and the outro scripted, the rest of its bullet points in the middle. That also makes for good show notes for the actual releasing to the public. We just copy, paste that, clean it up, make it look nicer. And um, something I can always advocate is if you do a content-based show, please, please, please make decent show notes. Yes. Yeah. But I after the fact, so links mm-hmm. that you mentioned, things like that. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. I listen to shows that I... And it's like, oh, that that sounds great because I'm driving in the car, go to their website later. What was that they were talking about? And their show notes are two (laughs) sentences describing the general. Right. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to do timestamps and all that stuff, but having a everything having everything in order of the way that it's Mm -hmm. uh, that it's presented in the show. Relevant links. Exactly, and then links to everything is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's the bare minimum as far as I'm concerned in yep. our production. And Absolutely. So yeah, there's a there's work involved. 
for the stand, more standard kind of show, depending on the type of edit you want to have, you could just want to show that we're presenting this very naturally. You know, we're not going to cut out any cursing, so it's going to be an explicit podcast. We're labeling it as such. Done. Or, or you could not curse in the first place. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I at the very beginning I chose we're doing PG thirteen. So, <laughs> therefore, there's a couple of curse words that those are my targets, and um, I listen through the whole thing and take out the most of the, the ums and ahs and errs and, mm-hmm. and awkward pauses as we try and look something up, and then, you know, figure out what you want to do for your, if somebody says a word you don't want in there, do you... Just mute it, that's what I do. I usually maybe leave part of the first letter so that way you know what was being said, but it's not actually there. Yeah. And then, uh, or in some cases, people will put a beep in there. And you just kind of, you have to figure out what you want for your show, kind of create up a show bible almost in, in what are your standards gonna be. And let the guests know that. Mm-hmm. as oh, well yeah. that's you have to do the you know almost a session zero for every interview you have to let them know ahead of time listen we don't swear and so at least they can be pre- you know they can be conscious Free of it go live, yeah. right yeah. Yeah. and you hate that's one thing you hate to be is people being like wait a minute can i say that and no you make sure you tell them ahead of time you know the rules of the podcast and things like that certain guests if you want them on you just have to accept <laughs> if you want to have Adam Scott Glancy on your show love the guy but he he filters for no man yep. so it's like okay I know that this is going to be a process for me One and I'll try and keep a general idea in mind of roughly when that hits but you listen through you edit you do your job as a producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one individual, uh, so we do quite a few interviews on the podcast, and one interview may represent, you know, 15 or 16 hours of not only recording, but research and then editing and everything else. So that's, you know, if you're interested in, in a content thing or something that's, you know, more you know, involved in like interview style process, that represents a huge chunk of time. And with somebody like Lancey, you maybe ramp that up to 20 hours because you're already on for three when he comes on the show. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's just winding them up and letting them go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which Technology is. that you use also when you have interviews as well is a, is a huge factor. So we were talking about Twitch earlier. There's no way you can do it. No. Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. You have to make it as simple as possible yeah, for somebody who's not part of your crew. Yeah. yeah. Right. That is where something like Skype can come in useful. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, pretty much every ha- everyone has it. Yep. Uh, it's, in, you know, automatically installed on most computers and laptops nowadays. So, uh, yeah, and you you want to make sure that the quality is still there, but you also have to factor in ease of use. Mm-hmm. So. For us, Zencaster is a step easier for guests because it's just a link. That's yeah. very so good. You email a link, yeah. they yep. show up. Yep. Yeah. We just explain, okay, here's what it's doing. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I hit stop, don't close your browser because it's processing and then uploading the yes. file to me. But that, we've done it a number of times now and it's worked pretty well. Hmm. No, it's not a free thing if you want to have a longer show. It's like, 
you can do like so many minutes if you just have a free account mm. per month. You know, you can have 30 minutes free of using this. It works fine. Yeah. Our average show is about an hour and a half. Yeah. So 20 bucks a month. I think it's worth it, even with the occasional glitches that we get. But uh, I think just like with an actual play uh, in you know, gaming in general, you want to make sure that you have more content than you think you're going to use. You want to, you know, if you're doing an interview, you want to have more questions than you think they'll be able to answer in a certain time, uh, because you can, even if you run out of them all and your pot in your interview ends up running long, you can cut out questions that you think weren't relevant or that he didn't, they didn't quite answer well enough, um, or you know, you might have somebody like a Scott or an Oscar Rios that will just talk and you might only get rid of done with four questions that you had 10 prepared. Or you might have somebody that gives you a five or six word answer and you have 10 questions that you thought would run an hour and you're done in 30 minutes. So. So implicit with the line of discussion last hour is uh, how is uh, content creators that they did for whenever uh, for Mystery Science Theater 3000. Make the content that is right for you, your audience will find yeah. you. I think that, that's how we are too. We, we're, we're gamers. We, mm -hmm. we like to game, we put out yeah. games, and it's just basically through word of mouth it just grows and people, you know, hey, I, I enjoyed listening to that game that you guys played. And, yeah. There's it's a huge organic yeah. element to it yeah. as well. So let it build and grow on its own. It's yeah. predisposed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you folks don't necessarily consciously think about I me. Mean, I'm not a hardcore portal war game. Mm. Role playing, tons of you know, paranoia, tons of oh, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. COC was the, the latest thing before mm -hmm. I went off into the wasteland of professional work. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I came back in, but, so we're not necessarily looking to try to capture some of the place. <laughs> no, right, right. Stuff like that. no. We're, but, we're micro niche, yeah. And so we uh, we just know that the people who are looking for our kind of topic will find us because we we're on all the things and try and just make it as easy as possible to find us for the people who are looking yeah. for that sort of thing. Having the mundanes that have no interest in us, they're not gonna listen to us, right? No, you may. I'm sorry, I'm monopolizing the question. But you, you made a good point. What's the hope for someone who's naturally predisposed mm -hmm. to find you out? How do you make sure you're visible enough to them? 
even to those who would who would be now. Like me. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a fellow player. Yeah. I found a way actively by hunting through mm-hmm. iTunes. Uh, exactly. How do you make sure, in addition to social media or the other strategies, people like me who can be pulled back into the community? Yeah. Right. Good keywords, you know, yes. make yourself yeah. easy to find. Yeah. But you're not going to put yourself out there to people that you know don't care. Yeah. That's just, that's a waste of energy and bandwidth. You need to just make yourself easy to find for the people who were looking. Yeah. I would say there's another step that has nothing to do with technology, and that's just engaging with new people when they come. I mean, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. you are telling us this is awesome, and I hope you come to our forums and post and, you know, be a part of the, the, the larger community and have, you know, if, if you're uh, inclined and, and engage even more because... When we have people, the forums, I think, is one of the places we sort of capture people. <laughs> um, because if you post there, we know you're interested enough to post, and then we can have a conversation and draw you in and make it more personal. Yeah. Because we have awesome relationships with our yeah. community. It's a strange little niche community, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but we know them. Yeah. Know. I, personally, I do not use the word fans. They're listeners or the community. Yeah. It's not a, you know, fan and thing they're a fan of. It's we're listeners and community. Yeah. I think one of the great things about the podcasting community in general, though, is that nobody, it's not a competition. Nobody is like, I'm not going to promote other podcasts because yeah. then they won't listen to mine. Exactly. Everybody, everybody reaches out. There's constant communication between podcasts and people saying, hey, if you like us, listen to these guys too. Yeah. There's always that going on and it's great. So if you start out a new podcast, make sure, first make sure that you're on as many platforms as possible and people can get to you easily. You have to be on iTunes. You have to have an RSS feed. You should be on YouTube, created uh, Facebook page twitter all that kind of stuff but reach out to existing podcasts definitely say you know hey i'm starting up a new podcast definitely. you know can you like me can you <laughs> can you like can you like me please <laughs> can you like me can you you know just link to me do something to you know piggyback on them and they most of the time they will yeah absolutely we would put a, a new through the podcast or gaming podcast, oh, yeah. in social media feed. Mm-hmm. You know. yep. yep, I'll share that on to the Buffer. Yeah. Buffer is a great tool if you're doing podcast mm-hmm. stuff. And for us, a new horror gaming co- podcast would be news. I think we would cover it in the prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. that'd be part of the, yep. the news feed as well as just sharing it out. And we don't. Hey, we're, we're people in the family. And cool. we don't. Right, right, right. And we don't know all the things. So we do need to be contacted, right? Like right. We, we're, we don't listen to all the podcasts yeah. anymore. Some of don't us have, have, time. have lost the time to, to listen to every podcast. But, you know, yeah. And definitely shout out to you guys. I mean, you know, Miskatonic's been super supportive for us, and we're not a, a horror gaming podcast specifically, although we do have some horror games, but, you know, being a, a fan or a listener of, of the podcast, being part of that community, like when we started our thing, you know, Chad and Dan and, and Murph have been, you know, super supportive, and, you know, it's that sort of camaraderie and the podcasting segment. I mean, we talk about other shows all the time. It's like, hey, if you're on, you like this, you said try these other guys. We talk about other shows all the time, have other podcasters on. That's how, when I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, I found a lot of mm-hmm. other podcasters yeah, listening to Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten many an email saying, 
how do I get started with this, that, or the other? Yeah. Okay. If you want to do this, here's the resources I started with. Yeah. How much money do you have? Right. <laughs> how much yeah. time? What, what type, what level of resources do you want to devote to this? Because this is not a free hobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, there's actually a surprising number of people who think they can just get into the whole thing for free and maintain a good quality. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can start stuff by using existing things, but if you want to have your quality continue to go up, it's going to cost some money. Yep. Yep. You know, you want to improve your microphone. You want to eventually get a, a mixer if that's what works for your type of uh, design. Yeah. Yeah. We first uh, we started out our first few sessions into our first handful of episodes were a conference mic in the middle of the table attached to a laptop mm-hmm. and very quickly we discovered that's not good enough right mm-hmm. and so yeah you definitely have to be aware of the quality of uh, equipment that you're using yeah. if you actually want people to listen because those first people will forgive your first few episodes yeah but Just, yeah. they weren't they won't forgive the first few dozen right. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah actually i wanted to say is uh, almost a counterpoint that also the barrier to entry for using Google Hangouts and ripping the audio and putting it into our, that's all free. Yeah. Audacity's free. Yep. And so go ahead and fall, you know, do the low end, yep. totally free stuff. And then you'll find where you're, you want to improve quality. Do a couple things, yep. not even release them, just enjoy Listen to it or watch it among your group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where do we want to improve this? Right. Yep. And then do your one that you plan on releasing. You know, something like that. That's yeah. It's good to do maybe a half to three, four, half dozen episodes first. Yes. Mm-hmm. First of all, because you will need padding for mm-hmm. when life gets busy. Because you were ambitious when you started this mm-hmm. thing, and now now it's not so uh, easy. Yep. <laughs> to be counted in iTunes, you have to submit them like four or five. For them to even consider yep. adding you to the feed. That's right. Yeah. 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 No, I had a buffer of almost 40, 40 or so episodes. What? That. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was running two. We were running two games at the same time. I was oh. running a table game and an online game, but they, uh, but I wasn't releasing them at the same time. Yeah. So I had forty or so episodes buffered, and then life happened. Yeah. I had kids and all that kind of, you know. So gaming went to the side. And that buffer very quickly ran out, <laughs> very quickly. Well, so yeah, how many ever ep- how many episodes you have in your in your back pocket, you it will never be enough, <laughs> never. Uh, I think we're just about out of time, but I would just say that you know thank you for everybody for coming to check on out. Thank you to the panelists for coming and participating. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate everybody coming and checking it out. Uh, the NU guys are going to be doing their live show here uh, right after this, yes. so hopefully you'll stick around for that. And, uh, hey, thanks, guys. That's what I'm here for. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com. Just once? Just once? Once? Yep, looks like it's butthole recording. <laughs> you want to get a picture of it? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Poop. <laughs> <laughs>